Hello, Denver Broncos fan club, and welcome to our Week 15 Orange Weekly Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Rep the Squad. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep any jersey that you may want. With hundreds of jerseys, Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month, and youth memberships are $16.95 per month. New jerseys arrive fresh, clean, and within two to three business days. Rep your Denver Broncos all season long with free shipping both ways, and you can cancel at any time. Make sure you use promo code ORANGE50, that's ORANGE50, to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. If you like our podcast and what we talk about each week, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or any other platform that you may use. Here at Orange Weekly, we are only talking about football, and football only. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about the intermingling of the league between the owners and the commissioner and why the commissioner is getting a $200 million contract for five years, and all he does seems to be getting people in trouble. So we won't talk about that, but we're only going to talk about this week's Denver Broncos matchup. And this upcoming week is against the Indianapolis Colts, who are in a quite similar position to the Denver Broncos. So before I get started here, let's bring in the Mad Fanatic. Hello, Dan. How you doing? Good day, Matt. How are we? Oh, I'm doing great, buddy, man. We finally have a win. Unfortunately, it's coming a time where uh, playoffs are, you know, out of reach. Uh, Broncos are unfortunately officially eliminated from the hunt, but nevertheless, uh, a win is a win. I'm sure the team has taken it, you know, uh, as positively as they can. Uh, I think they went on a nine-game losing streak, which is something that, oh, man, it's, it's very difficult. Eight or nine games, I forget exactly, but... That's tough to come back from, but uh, they managed to do it in a very, very good fashion in front of a home crowd. They shut out the Jets. They limited them to like 100 yards on offense. And, uh, you know, they kind of came back to their winning ways. So hopefully they'll be able to maintain this over the next three games of the season. But, um, yeah, so unfortunately that's, you know, it comes at a time where it's, you know, it sort of has no impact on the remainder of the season, but it does have an impact on, you know, draft stock and, and players' performance and who, who might stay with the team next year. Uh, so, you know, while, while we're just discussing this game, is there anything uh, noteworthy you want to mention about uh, this previous game we had? Well, I just think overall, win is a win, like you said. And these guys are professionals. They come out every week. They're training. They're at the... Uh facility early getting prepared for this uh the, the upcoming game and uh winning changes how the locker room feels and it changes how the teammates look at each other and and prepare for the the following week so a win is a win the long losing streak is over and it's good to see they will uh, be facing indianapolis this week with a win under their belt like you said it changes the momentum in the locker room it might have saved vance joseph's job as well you know we don't know that yet there's still a few games left to play this year um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely positive to look into. The Denver Broncos defense was outstanding. They didn't allow a single point. Uh, they limited Josh McCown and Bryce Petty to 41 yards in the air and like 59 yards on the ground. So overall, it was a really good game. Trevor Simeon finally had interception-free game. Uh, there was no fumbles, no turnovers on the Broncos, which is something that we've been looking for and we've been talking about for you know months. So it's uh, really nice to see them get back in that win column. But 
that game is over and done and now we're moving on uh so this week's podcast we are recording it a bit earlier than usual we aren't able to update all the stats as all the games haven't been uh, played through yet so we don't really know where everybody you know ranks in terms of yardage yards against and all that that stuff so we won't really be talking about that uh broncos are playing in indianapolis this week on a thursday night um, so, you know, Thursday night football is not really a, uh, a player favorite. I think it, you know, the fans do enjoy it, but the teams never seem to enjoy it because of there's, you know, shorter week to prepare, a lot of injury risk, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, also, unfortunately, usually the home team has an advantage here, um, <clears throat> you know, for these Thursday night games. But, but the Colts are coming back from uh, quite a snowy game. I don't know if anybody here has watched this game. It was... Fun for the fans, not fun for the players. It, you know, it kind of looked like a bunch of high school kids having fun at recess, uh, you know, out in the snow there. But uh, the Colts definitely did struggle. And, uh, you know, they're coming back home with, with a loss under the belt while the Broncos are, are, are feeling a bit higher right now with the wind. So Broncos do have an advantage there uh, coming a Thursday night against the Colts. Uh, Dan, do you want to talk about the Colts a little bit? There's previous game and uh, how they're looking. Well, I think that uh, coming back from a game like that, uh, a lot of mixed emotions about how that game went. Uh, obviously, it was a, quite the struggle in the uh, one foot of snow that eventually accumulated throughout the game. Um, you look at the performance overall, Frank Hoare had a career-high 36 carries in that snow. And, uh, you know, give it to the guy. He's a, he's a veteran. He's at the end of his career. And they're still uh, relying on him to uh, get, get it done on offense. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, he had a he had an interesting game. He was 11 for 22 in the snow for only 70 yards, 69 yards, I believe it was, and uh, one touchdown. It's it's going to be interesting coming back on a short week, like you said. The home team usually has a bit of an advantage on a Thursday night at home. They'll be warmed up after uh, getting in from the snow, like you said. You, you don't want to see uh, any possibility of injury coming off this short week for both teams, both Denver and uh, the Colts having to deal with uh, only three nights off. <clears throat> Considering, too, that you know both these teams are eliminated from the playoffs, uh, not something that we want to talk about a, a whole lot about, sorry, but this might be a game, too, where we see a lot more of the depth come onto the field, um, considering that we want to avoid injuries. Guys like Frank Gore, are, you know, he's going to be tired coming back from this week. So we're probably going to see uh, you know the, the Colts' other running backs in Marlon Mack and, uh, you know, maybe even other receivers, other linemen, you know, expect to see some depth here. I think the team is looking to evaluate a lot of players and to really see where, you know, their future lies within both teams. So maybe this, name, this game doesn't really have any impact on, you know, the standings, doesn't have an impact on the, the remainder of the season. But, you know, both these teams are looking to evaluate player talent, who wants to play, who wants to be with the team. So I think both teams are going to be looking to avoid injuries and play some of their depth and, and, and really look at, you know, the overall performance here versus trying to really get a, a, an important win, um, even though, you know, both teams really want the win. So as we go into this game against the Colts, uh, let's start, you know, as we normally do, and let's talk about the coaching staff for the Colts here and what we're expecting. So we know that Chuck Pagano is the head coach for the Colts. He's been there for a number of years, ever since, you know, Andrew Luck has come in. Fortunately, Andrew Luck is somebody who hasn't been playing all year. He's been hurt. Uh, the, you know, the team has gone through quite a bit of change, a lot of last-minute stuff, range of Kobe Brissett, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, Chuck Pagano has had a lot to manage this year in the previous years. Um, the, the, the challenge has been there for him, and, you know, personally, uh, I don't think – I think he's kind of outstayed his welcome in Indianapolis. I think that uh, – 
the team could have been performing a lot better. Maybe leadership's in the question. Uh, you know, Dan, do, do you agree with that? Or do you think that, you know, Chuck Pagano is, is the guy for Indianapolis? Well, here's the thing with Chuck Pagano. I think overall he is in his tenure with uh, Indianapolis. He's, he's motivated his gentlemen. He's motivated these players to, to play games like, like on Sunday in the snow where a, a game they really should have won. Uh, first, they had a two-point conversion that was overturned, and, and then they kicked a 43-yard extra point to tie it up. And then uh, Vinatieri missed a, another 43-yarder uh, right at the end of the game. So they, you could see that the players, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of not having Andrew Luck, are playing for Chuck Pagano. But on the other hand, you know, you know, when you don't rack up the wins, when it seems like your players are uh, not not about effort but out of position. Uh, the offense is not moving the ball particularly well, then you start to question just overall maybe the play calling and how uh, this team has uh, been put together to to last uh, a stretch without their star and Andrew Luck. And, and over the past season and a half, it, it's shown that uh, Chuck Pagano and overall the organization has not had this team uh, prepared to win. Speaking about play calling, let's go into the coordinators. Um, the OC for the Colts is Rob Chudzinski. What can you tell tell us about him? Uh, Rob Chudzinski is in his fourth year with the Colts and the second of as offensive coordinator. Essentially, he holds uh, 23 years of coaching experience, including 13 years in the NFL. Uh, he's you know obviously a veteran coach in this NFL. While he's he has been with the Colts, he's pr- produced and orchestrated one of the most explosive offenses. The Colts ranked in the top 10 in the league in numerous categories, obviously not this season. But with Andrew Luck, there is a potential with Rob Chudzinski. Jud- uh, Considering this year, too, I mean, um, for those who may not know, the, the season started with Scott Tolzin. Tolzian, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, under center. Um, <clears throat> Scott has been a backup his entire career. And in the first game, he performed so poorly that the Colts immediately traded uh, Phil Dorsett, one of the receivers, to the Patriots for Jacoby Brissett, who was the third-string quarterback for the Pats. Now, the third-string quarterback for the Pats came in week two of the regular season, no experience with the Colts, didn't know anybody's names, didn't know the playbook or nothing, was handed the entire offense and said, go win us some games. And uh, I think Rob Chudzinski's actually done quite a good job with Jacoby, considering where they started from, considering that um, I, w- I remember watching him early in the season and it was the old school sort of, you know, call down a number and then check the wristband for the play and then call in the play, which usually takes a lot more time. There's less flexibility within the play calling. There's a whole lot, you know, it's a more complicated, more difficult for the coach's relationship and everything as opposed to having both, you know, the quarterback and the OC on the same page and there's a lot more fluidity. So I think Rob Chudzinski has been uh, quite good actually in, the, in this whole change and he's helped Jacoby win a few games. He's helped him be competitive, um, considering this young man has not had any off-season, mini camps, training camp, nothing with the Colts, and he's you know he's put up put together about three wins. Um, yeah, that's pretty good, very very good. So I think that you know Rob has done quite a good job, but you're you're right. This year has not been their year. Um, he is a veteran, and uh, you know expect him to nevertheless be quite. Uh, competitive against the Broncos and a Broncos defense and Joe Woods they're coming back from a shutout win um, coming back from a very very solid win too against the Jets where they limited every category offensively this defense is you know they're they're riding high right now so I think they're hungry to come back and do this again against uh, a young quarterback you know inexperienced quarterback in Jacoby Brissett um, I don't really know what Rob Chudzinski is gonna be able to pull through here to try and uh, 
you know, overtake this Broncos defense. I think these guys have finally found their groove after a number of weeks of not being able to perform. Uh, both cornerbacks, Akeem league and Chris Harris, are going to be back on fire this week. And the defensive line, too, is going to be eating up, I think, this offensive line of, um, of the Colts. So Rob Chudzinski is going to have to pull up some magic and a lot of tricks out of his book to try and make this happen in a short week. Uh, let's flip over on the other side of the ball. Who's the DC for uh, the Colts, and uh, what's what's he up to? Indianapolis's DC is Ted uh, Monachino. He's entering his second year with the team, uh, and like uh, Rob Chudzinski, he holds a lot of experience in the NFL—27 years, 12, 12 uh, excuse me, 27 years of coaching experience, and 12th in the NFL, similar to to his partner in crime. Monachino has been pivotal in development of a few of the Colts' uh, players over these last few years. Uh, he's uh, been especially good with the linebackers he was coming from the baltimore ravens serving as the linebackers coach uh from 2012 to 2015 including their super bowl run so uh, definitely a uh, an experienced coach and one that you know has been trying to develop this young defense uh of indianapolis uh not not the best numbers when you look at them on paper um, they've been uh, fairly competitive in, in many games this year, but in this NFL, you're just going to have to stop people more consistently to uh, give your offense a chance, especially an offense with a, uh, a young quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, Monticino, he's running at 34, it seems, and... You know, 34 in this league, it's it's a tough one to coach, but I think the Broncos are, are ready to play up against this front, um, considering that they practice against the 34 all the time, and that's what, you know, the Broncos, that's their system they run as well. So I think, you know, the, the Broncos offense is well tailored to, to play against the system. Bill Musgraves is very experienced as well. Um, the Colts defense, man, over the past couple of years has always been very underwhelming. They've never really put up the numbers or the results that you know they they did in the past when they were you know they had Peyton Manning and they were on those big Super Bowl runs and they you know they're such a strong team on the defense they had these really strong units now it's just not you know it's not the same as it used to be they lost some key players this year in in Vontae Davis and, and Malik Hooker so you know Montecino does have. Uh, He's got a big challenge on his hands, considering where his defense stands and and where this uh, this you know this whole whole organization stands. Um, Chuck Pagano is a defensive-minded guy, so you'd think maybe their defense would be a bit stronger, but they've been um, handicapped, I think, with player selection. So you know we'll see what he's able to put together against his Broncos. Um, you know maybe they're expecting the Broncos just had a bit of a fluke game here when they uh, when they shut out and they they had no turnovers or anything like that, and they're expecting the, them to jump back into their you know, old ways and Trevor Simeon to be throwing picks left, right, and center and, and fumbles and sacks and all this stuff. But uh, I don't know. I think Bill Musgraves probably found, you know, the, the right way to coach this offense after a few weeks of trying to, you know, take over as the leader of this of this team. <clears throat> and it's it, it's paying dividends. I think Trevor Simeon finally looked comfortable. He had that nice pass to Demaris Thomas to get that score in that first quarter. I think, you know, there's a bit of chemistry there that's forming. And the running game, you know, it, it got somewhat going. Uh, C.J. Anderson was the lead back once again. He had, uh, let's see here, there's stats here. He had 22 carries for 48 yards. <clears throat> the yardage, not really the what you want to see, but in terms of carries, it shows that they're putting a lot more emphasis on the run. And uh, it's okay. It's going to get going. I think the, the, the Colts aren't very strong against the run here, so I think the Bill Musgraves is going to stick with that strategy, give C.J. Anderson the ball, Rest Trevor Simeon and just just go for those you know play action hits those those short passes just something to get the mo the momentum going and get a few points on the board. 
so speaking about these players here, Dan, who on the Colts offense do you see as being, you know, a key player here that, that the Broncos should be looking out for? We know, you know, we talked a bit about Jacoby Brissett, where he's coming from, and Frank Gore. Those are probably the, the two top players on the offense. But there's, you know, there's. I'm looking here at the list. There's also a couple names that may be uh, worth talking about. What do you think? Well, I think that uh, we know by now that T.Y. Hilton is also a large part of their offense. And uh, regardless of their, uh, the quarterback for the Colts, uh, he seems to be, uh, be able to produce and overcome a lot of the struggles that uh, have come uh, without having Andrew Luck there. Um, I think a guy to look out for besides him would have to be Jack Doyle, a tight end. 64 catches on the year, uh, only 8.8 uh, yards average on that. But he's a big body that's uh, he's going to get first downs for the Colts. He's going to get those uh, short pickups and uh, on, on pace for uh, a healthy amount of catches, especially for a tight end. So I think uh, Jack Doyle is uh, definitely uh, the guy to look for on third down. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I know the Broncos have had their struggles covering tight ends and running backs, especially on the third downs. Uh, Jack Doyle is, he had a big game against the Bengals a number of weeks back where he had like, you know, over 10 catches and a bunch of yards. So he can go off. That's, that's a great point. Really good guy to look out for. Um, I'd also like to point out, too, in the, the Colts' offensive line isn't very strong. They've got a couple guys in Ryan Kelly at center and Anthony Costanzo, but these guys, you know, as a whole, this unit isn't very strong. I think the Colts are the highest-sacked offense in the league, which shows that, you know, the opportunities are there for guys like Von Miller and Shane Ray and, and Barrett and, you know, even uh, Derek Wolf. And Damato Peco, they can get in the backfield and cause a lot of havoc here. It's going to be their opportunity to, to take over this game. Um, overall, the Broncos' defense, they just need to play like a unit once again. I'm pretty sure that Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris can match up against T.Y. Hilton quite easily and shut him down. Although, T.Y. Hilton is um, quite a strong player. But overall, I think that uh, the advantage here goes to the Broncos' defense. Um, looking on the flip side of the ball here, on the Colts' defense... Um, again, we mentioned how they're not really a strong unit. They haven't been for a number of years. Um, is there anybody on this defense that you think is, is really worth paying attention to? Or do you think that the Broncos offense should be sort of easy to just stick with their system and, and not worry about any single player and just you know, roll through? Well, I think, I think that's just it. I think as a defense, the Indianapolis Colts have to play like a unit. And uh, when you look at Ted Monachino's pedigree, he's a linebacker guy. So the linebackers for the Colts need to step up need to stop C.J. Anderson if uh, they're going to have a chance to keep this game manageable uh, for their quarterback. Um, you know, I think when you look at this game on paper, the, uh, the real issue is uh, can the Denver Broncos, uh, like you said, be consistent, uh, go into Indianapolis on a short week, play a Colts team that's lost four in a row and is only two and four at home. But when you look at the other side, Denver is 0-6 on the road. They need to get a, a road win this season to uh, at least, uh, you know, have a little bit of uh, hope and, and not have this multiple road game losing streak going into next season. Um, if we just check back here on the against the, the, the Colts offense, I forgot to mention this guy called Marlon Mack. Now, Marlon Mack has had a, a number of flashes this year. Uh, he's a, a rookie, and he's somebody that I think they're looking to take over Frank Gore in the, in the future once uh, Frank retires. Um, you know, and, and he's a guy that will probably get a lot more playing time this week, so the Broncos do need to keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be a, a, an X factor here for the Colts. 
And another player that I think is really worth mentioning for the Colts, somebody who has won a lot of games, somebody who's very dangerous and somebody that you can't ignore, is the one and only Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri, I think, is the oldest player right now in the league. He's 44 years old. He's still kicking like a young man. He missed a couple in the snow there, but, I mean, I don't think anybody would have really been a good kicker in the snow. And I think he's somebody that, uh, you know, if the Broncos aren't able to get a solid lead against the Colts, Adam Vinatieri is somebody to watch out for that can really win it on any point in the field. You get him within 50, 55 yards, and it's almost, you know, it's a guaranteed kick. Uh, he's a historic player, Hall of Famer, and, uh, you know, you don't want to let him have the decision on who's winning the game at the end of the game. You have to take control because if it's Vinatieri deciding, he's, he's probably going to give the Colts the win. So with that being said... Broncos do need to take over and ensure that um, they're managing this game on their terms. The defense is establishing themselves, making sure Jacoby Brissett is second-guessing all his passes. And on the other side of the ball, <clears throat> Trevor Simeon needs to get a streak going without any picks. He can't turn the ball over anymore. He had a good game. He's got some chemistry going with Demarius Thomas. The Colts don't have a very strong secondary, so I think that he's going to have an opportunity here to really play well. You know, this is a time to really prove that he could be a quarterback for the Broncos. These games might not matter, like we said before, in terms of the standings or any playoff hopes. But, you know, these are players playing for their jobs. And expect to see quite a high performance by all of them this week. This is, again, a must-win game with only three games remaining for the end of the year. Every single snap, every single game is important. Um, as we close up here, Dan, do you have anything you want to add? I think uh, we're going to see a, a good game for sure. I'm not sure what type of game we're going to see, though, in terms of score. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Um, I think uh, with the Indianapolis Colts at home, they might be able to do enough to manage uh, Trevor Simeon. And hopefully, you know, if they can contain uh, Demarius Thomas, I think that's their best chance to, to come away with a win. Um, I'm predicting a... Uh, a Denver win, though. I like. Uh, I think uh, they're going to have a little bit of momentum coming into this game. Um, I think they're just going to have a little bit extra in terms of pass rush and stuff like that. So I'll give it a uh, an ugly, low-scoring affair. I've been calling a lot of low-scoring affairs on this broadcast, but uh, I think I'm going to go with a 13-10 Denver Broncos win. Wow, 13-10. That is quite low. Um, you know, I think I'm going to take it up a bit from there. I think the Broncos are going to win this one. They have the momentum on their side. They have the talent on their side. Um, everything pointing towards them getting a win here. And I think I'm going to go ahead and call a 27-14 win for the Broncos. I think that the Broncos are uh, they're finding their stride right now. And they're going to be putting up some numbers. But given that you know it's, it's a home game for the Colts on Thursday night, I think it's going to be... Uh, you know, uh, the Colts are still going to have some advantage to put some points up. I think it's be close at half, and then the second half, Broncos are just going to take over. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes, and uh, we'll have something else to talk about here on next week's podcast. So uh, that's it for us this week. Again, thank you for listening, and let's cheer on the Broncos here by bringing in the Mad Fanatic to close us off. Thanks, guys. Orange, man. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man.